There are a lot of dairy operators that are keeping a very close eye on the barrel and block cheese price lately because it's definitely impacting their bottom line. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And I'll tell you what, we've been following the stories that you have helped to provide us. Um, letters coming from your dairy cooperative uh, explaining that there was an inversion between the barrel and block cheese price that impacted your dairy cooperative and how they could function. And I'm just kind of curious, even though we have seen some uh, evening out on that process, what does that mean? And is it likely to happen again? Dr. Mark Stevenson, dairy economist, is along with us for one of his final conversations as our uh, extension dairy specialist. And Mark, I've got to ask you, uh, obviously you probably saw this uh, coming, but how how odd or unlikely is it that the difference between barrel and block cheese would become so dramatic so fast? Well, it's unusual, Pam, um, and thanks for um, asking me about this. But, um, you know, we had a long history when blocks were always above barrels. And, you know, 20 years ago when we did the federal order reform at that point in time, blocks and barrels moved very closely together. They averaged something like three cents difference with blocks being higher. Um, but, man, since pandemic, you know, anything goes. But, but quite honestly, these have become different markets. I mean, barrel cheese is fundamentally a different product than block cheddar is. They, they go for completely different kinds of uses. And we've seen the barrel market uh, do its own thing. And that's when we can get these kind of what we think of as inversions, but they're really just two separate markets that are, are moving apart. Well, and they are markets, like you said, that depend on each other. And again, I realize that dairy farmers know they've got to watch the barrel and block cheese price. But can you explain in layman's terms, Mark, that, you know, the terminology speaks to itself. Those barrels have to provide uh, financial opportunity for blocks to be sold. Well, we used to, um, you know, think of barrels as being the place where you would last put milk. You know, so in other words, they were a balancing mechanism for a marketplace. You could put a fair amount of milk in there. You could store some of this product for a period of time. And of course, the biggest use of barrel cheese like this is for making processed cheese. Um, you know, those uh, wrapped single slices or cheese whiz type products, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, you know, it's a biggish market on its own, but those products are going to move together to some extent, but they've got a life of their own anymore. Um, you know, the need for barrels is separate from blocks. And we used to have plants that could switch from blocks to barrels or, or vice versa if the price uh, was indicating they needed more of one product than another. We don't have that so much anymore. Our plants are large and very specialized. They take in milk and they make, you know, a particular product. So we're a little bit more rigid than we used to be. Now explain for people why it seems that Wisconsin is hit particularly hard when barrel and black go uh, opposite of each other. Um, you kind of alluded to it in your previous comments, Mark, about the times have changed, our plants have changed, but a lot of dairy producers are getting letters from their cooperative telling them that they're going to see a dock on their milk check. Uh, there's a lot of unanswered questions about why these things are happening and for how long. Well, um, you know, bear with me because it's just a little bit complicated, but it, it, it's not too bad if you think about it. 
again, remember 20 years ago, we had federal order reform. They said blocks and barrels will be used to determine the average cheese price. And we do that with that weekly survey that uh, USDA runs. And um, they, they create a weighted average price of the amount of product that's been sold uh, in those two marketplaces. So when we have barrels that are quite a bit above blocks, then that's going to tend to pull that average up toward barrels and away from the block cheese. Virtually all cheese products, all of the specialty cheeses we make in a state like Wisconsin are priced off of the block market, not the barrel market. So, you know, it's usually CME spot cheddar prices plus something or minus something perhaps if it's a discount, but they're priced off of that block market. So when you've got something that's pulling those cheese prices up quite a bit, um, it creates a higher class three price calculation and it really compresses the margins in those cheese plants that are making products that are priced off the block market so that's why we have plants that are having to turn around and say either if they're a cooperatively owned plant um, we're going to have to assess members you know to uh, to work this out um, so that the uh, the co-op is is made whole um, or if you're a proprietary plant and that's what you're shipping to and the proprietary plant can't underpay if they're regulated, their choice is to become unregulated or in other words, uh, drop out of the pool. So those are the two options that we have under these circumstances. Right. And we did see that the deep pooling was a big conversation topic during uh, the pandemic and right after. Now, let's talk a little bit about how long we expect this kind of situation to be in the marketplace, Mark. You mentioned at the outset, it's a little rare. Well, uh, judging by the emails and phone calls I've got, that's a good thing because uh, we can't handle too much of this. You think it'll be done by the end of the calendar year? Well, um, yeah. I mean, if you think about when's our big demand for cheese, um, it is from Thanksgiving through Super Bowl. And, you know, that's when we've got a lot of product that needs to be fresh and available. That's the barrel market. So right now, I think what we've got are a bunch of plants that are trying to make sure that they're satisfying customer needs to get that product in, get it in the pipeline for our big demand season. And that's pretty much in the books. I mean, obviously we haven't even gotten to Thanksgiving yet, but uh, those buyers have made their commitments for how much product they want uh, for the most part. And and we're seeing right now uh, a bit more of the convergence of the barrels and blocks coming together. I haven't seen what happened today, but um, over the last few days, those two markets have been coming together, although barrels still have been a bit higher, but not the 20 some cents that we were watching earlier. Right. You know, you talk about that seasonal influence. The other commodity I want to discuss with you is butter. That has uh, really raised some attention, uh, moving so high. Uh, maybe it's plateaued now. Talk to me about milk movement, where that butter is generally being produced, Mark, and what's going on to drive that butter price. Well, um, the biggest volume of butter is produced on the West Coast. Uh, and over there, we see uh, a number, well, uh, just as a good example, here in the upper Midwest, we are generally taking our big milk volume into cheese plants. Um, and some of our cheese plants are a little bit cream surplus, are a little bit cream deficit. 
but you know it's close to being a rough balance in those plants um, they might buy some non-fat solids uh, to come in there to balance the uh, cheese vat a little bit standardize it but on the west coast they aren't balancing with cheese they're balancing with butter and powder plants and the powder of course is for export the butter is used almost entirely domestically we've got some big butter plants uh, in the midwest but um, you know nothing like the large volume plants that we have out west and that's the same place where we're seeing the cattle numbers start to dwindle um, and we can't but d- despite maybe what the common sense of our dairy producers in Wisconsin says, we can't really send our milk to their plants, can we? Oh, no, that's just logistically, you'd chew up all of the potential need and benefits with transportation costs very quickly. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we've seen more milk dumping occurring in the Northeast than anywhere else. And it's simply because, They've had some extra milk production going on, and they've got plants that just can't take any more. So um, it becomes a, a problem, and, you know, it's one of those things that's hard to explain when it happens, but uh, nevertheless, it happens for real reasons. So they can't send their surplus milk to us to be used in a cheese vat. It's too expensive to do, and we can't send our milk west. Dr. Mark Stevenson, our dairy specialist, is along with us. Let's talk a little bit about the other trends that we're noticing, Mark, not just in the West or the Southwest, but kind of everywhere. A lot of cows that went to uh, market as beef, and it seems that we're just not necessarily uh, rebuilding that heifer pipeline. What does that tell you about 2023? Oh, Pam, we've got more moving parts going on right now in our dairy markets than I've ever seen in my career. Um, You know, we've got demand that is uncertain in the face of, you know, pretty high consumer prices for product. Um, We've still got the impacts of um, COVID uh, that are hitting supply chains and and, uh, concerning some consumers, you know, about still going out and sitting down and eating. Um, we've got milk supplies that are threatened in the West by lack of uh, moisture, rain uh, on crops. And, and uh, you know, we've had farmers that have just said, it's enough, I can't do it anymore uh, out there, which is not something we've seen in a very long period of time. So the milk supply is questionable and feed prices extremely high. Um, employment, uh, you know, trying to keep employees on farms, uh, labor costs are high. Um, it's just a tough time and, <laughs> and not easy to say who's going to win. Are we going to have too much milk under these relatively high milk prices or are markets going to equilibrate and return to anything like uh, a normal, uh, mm-hmm. some kind of normal anytime soon? I don't know. Well, and that, I think, is the the answer I'm getting from most people. Just don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Dr. Mark Stevenson, our University Extension Dairy Specialist, uh, the Center for Dairy Profitability, and a fellow we turn to often when we have those kinds of questions and, like I said, see industry movement the way we have in the state of Wisconsin. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.